Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, I feel kind of prepared and unprepared for uh, what I want to say to you today. Um, so I just figured I would uh, I would get on uh, get on recording and uh, just see where it takes us to. It's not for lack of preparation. It's just there are many things spinning around in my head and. Uh, uh, thoughts that uh, I am thinking and things I maybe might like to say but may or may not who who knows uh, uh, but I trust you're all uh, still getting through this again you know we've said many times during this journey please let us know if you come across any needs that uh, you feel could uh, use a little help obviously we can't help in situations that we don't know about so that still applies um, also, uh, uh, as far as Q is concerned, uh, we have been using our facility um, to accommodate uh, funerals for the last uh, uh, four weeks. I've, I've been to more funerals in the last four weeks than I have in the last four years, uh, as we just provide our facility to uh, to serve the community in that way. And uh, it's been very much appreciated. And uh, we, we uh, did one ourselves. Uh, on Friday for uh, um, a relative of Jim Clark, who is uh, Claire Cornock's uh, granddad, who we who we buried uh, a little while ago, um, and uh, I think we did a great job there, and uh, it was a, a, an honour and a privilege to bless the family. Others we've been hosting for other funeral directors, our friends at uh, Rowley and Sons and uh, Fielders, uh, and uh, um, I think the help we've given and the and the facilities we've provided have been a blessing to families in a very difficult time. I must say I was horrified to do the committal at the crematorium on Friday to see 10 chairs in the hall um, spread out widely to the point where uh, the deceased's wife was sat on her own in the middle. I, I found it disgraceful, uh, discomforting, horrendous and and uh, it really has lifted my compassion level for those who that's been their only option so it also made me grateful that we have opened our facility because it has meant the atmosphere and the environment has allowed people at this time of grief to uh, to find some uh, strength and help and hope and uh, a little more connection so uh, in that my thanks to my kids uh uh, Joel and Connie, you always come up with the goods. I love you. You're amazing. Thank you. And uh, uh, to Danny, who's such a willing workhorse. Great. Appreciate Danny. And uh, of course, he's in on every one of them with me. Uh, also, Phil Segru gave, gave his time uh, to uh, to operate the sound for us, particularly on Friday. And to Pete and Jan Condy, who have been ever present during this last month, uh, taking care of the peripherals of... Uh, of doors and uh, and access and um, security. Appreciate you guys. 
Uh, and Sarah, our cleaner, who's been coming in and uh, making sure we're all up to scratch in terms of uh, of the antibacterial requirements. And also, huge, huge thanks to to my uh, sweetheart, Chris, for uh, her organisational abilities and participation, without which um, there would probably be funerals in my absence because I'd miss it all. So, uh, also a connection with uh, the people in organisation uh, who greatly appreciated the cooperation in uh, us providing facilities for, for pictures and videos and music, etc. So uh, thanks, guys. And I just wanted to let the rest of you, our community, know that uh, this is one way that we have been seeking to serve during the the shutdown, which hopefully will uh, come to an end uh, sometime in the near future so that we can all be together and begin to learn some things together in a more public environment uh, uh, as we gather. Um, obviously, one of the things that's been dominating the news of recent days is the, uh, is the sad um, and uh, unfortunate and unnecessary death of, uh, of George Floyd in America. Uh, the whole issue of the policeman with the knee on his, his neck and, um, you know, not being able to breathe. And it's a very, very sad situation. I know that there are some of you part of our community who... Um, you know, have asked out why aren't we saying anything and what what do we need to say? Um, so for particularly for those of you who feel that, and also um, uh, I haven't run this through the directors and leaders, but just a little bit of a connection from I think what is the the heart of Q. Um, you know, absolutely, we do not we do not give any um, accreditation or right or affirmation to racism of any kind, we deplore it. Um, we do not accept or promote um, or, or support discrimination of any kind. We do not agree with non-acceptance wherever that comes, whether it is uh, the lessening of the importance of, of um, a person because of their sexual orientation or the colour of their skin, um, or whatever. Um, but I also do agree uh, that Black Lives Matter. Uh, I might post something uh, on that at some point that, uh, um, you know, maybe for some of you who have been caught like me with the thing of, and, and it's a fair assessment that uh, all lives matter, uh, may, may avoid the subject a little too, too much because where that is, um, where that is absolutely... Uh, true, um, there is a relevance that um, that Black Lives Matter as well and should be recognised as such in their own right um, for the difficulties and trials and um, uh, um, pressures that come with uh, being of a different race in uh, in a community and uh, and all that goes along with that. We. Um, I deplore racism. I have I have many many friends of of different ethnic uh, birth, um, whether they are Indian, um, uh, whether they are uh, Hispanic. I have a lot of Hispanic friends and and black um, African American friends. Um, I I take a little insight from them and trying to learn from them uh, in the broader picture. 
But uh, yes, without doubt, as far as Q is concerned, we are saddened, deeply saddened, and do not agree with um, with racism in any form. And we deplore the fact that George Floyd died in the circumstances that he did. Um, and uh, regardless of any of the peripheral factors, it is unacceptable that anyone should be subjected to that kind of treatment. I can still remember the issues of uh, surrounding Stephen Lawrence in 1993 uh, down in London and his murder due to, uh, you know, the racist attack by the white boys who did that and the, the struggle to uh, bring justice there and uh, also the what that brought out in the inquiry of... of uh, uh, of systemic ra- race, uh, s- systemic racial prejudice and bias within the Metropolitan Police that uh, stood in the way of uh, of doing a proper investigation. So we are we are conscious of these things. I-, I would widen it to say we must also be careful that in the publicity that surrounds this, um, you know, there is the Rohingya Muslims in uh, Myanmar. Uh, who have been in a a racial battle um, for their identity and existence for a long time. We must not forget some of these people. Um, You know, I've always been very conscious of the plight of the Native Indians in the USA. Um, It was their land. (laughs) So a wonderful thing, uh, the other day, I I used the term wonderful. It was a, uh, uh, a little video of a guy who... Um, got into a car outside of a pharmacy, uh, a drugstore in America, um, and was ready to drive away. And when the authorities stopped him um, uh, and said, look, you're stealing this car, he said, no, I discovered it. Uh, It was here and uh, there was nobody in the driving seat. Uh, So, you know, I'm taking this car because I have places to go and things to do. And um, I, uh, I've discovered it. And so, of course, the, you know, the argument is built. And, of course, what he's really driving at is, is that, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus did not discover America. The, the Spanish explorers did not discover South America, uh, nor did the British explorers discover, um, discover Australia and New Zealand. And, of course, the point being that, uh, that, that we we took them to be ours and people take things to be theirs, uh, when actually discovering something um, does not mean it's yours. What you finish up doing is the equivalent to stealing. And uh, I think there are many issues that, that should be considered by us all in that in that respect. And uh, I have been very conscious of the the plight and the history of uh, of the native peoples of North America. Uh, and also something that doesn't always hit the news here is the uh, the um, minorities in northeast India who, uh, uh, again, there is racial tension and, and racial violence takes place there. So, so yeah, we, we, we stand against all racism and raise our voice to say it's wrong. And uh, I've been reading some of uh, Martin Luther King's stuff, the great uh, civil rights leader, in America in the 60s. And uh, let me just give you three quotes of Martin Luther King's. There comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular, but he must take it because conscience tells him it is right. Sometimes we have to act from that basis. Of course, we have to measure what is it that is defining our conscience, and that would become an interesting uh, 
conversation, but um, I, I accept what Martin Luther King says. But he also says this, which I think is important in view of some of the violence that we've witnessed. Let no man pull you so low as to hate him. That's also very important. Martin Luther King was very much for peaceful demonstration uh, to stand against the horrors of the time of segregation. And, um, you know, was just asking for people to be civil. Civil rights means please just be civil with me. Uh, And we agree with that. Probably one of the greatest quotes of Martin Luther King outside of the I have a dream speech is this one let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream Uh, and uh, that was in a letter from Birmingham jail that Martin Luther King wrote and I would say a hundred percent we echo that today and this would be my key statement into this situation let justice roll like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream as we're all conscious of how we should treat our fellow man and our fellow woman of whatever color or whatever creed but in this situation yes black lives do matter and so i wanted to just pull a few thoughts from a message that i've preached more extensively obviously i'm not going to give you the whole message because that would take our time beyond what i want to devote to this but in acts chapter 8 There is a little story in there that introduces us to the plight of of a man who is, he is a man of colour, he is is, uh, of African descent, he is a black man from Ethiopia, Um, and um, he also has a situation going on that many of us wouldn't be familiar with today in that he is a eunuch. Um, A eunuch was someone who occasionally by choice, but often by force, had had their genitalia either severely mutilated or in many cases, like probably with this guy, had completely had his genitalia removed. Um, You know, don't mean to be rude, but you got to think it right. Penis and testicles probably missing. Um, hence the reason why very often when you see eunuchs uh, displayed in in movies they're often bald and they often have a very high voice why because their hormonal um, disposition has been changed by the fact that they have been made uh, eunuchs and now they're not producing testosterone like they used to do and so uh, this guy has all these things in this situation working against him and um, uh, we pick up the story in Acts chapter 8 and uh, um, this gentleman from uh, Ethiopia has been down to Jerusalem he is a representative and he is the treasurer of of, uh, Queen Candace the, the Queen of Ethiopia And we don't know whether he was going down to Jerusalem to the temple at the time of the feast um, because he um, had an acceptance or was a converted Jew or desired to have some connection with the Jewish perspective on spirituality and God uh, or whether he was just literally um, an ambassador for the Queen. Um, What, what, what? 
we should know, but wouldn't know immediately if you just read the story, um, but can know if you know something of the history of Judaism and the Bible and uh, and um, the temple and the Pharisees and um, the priests and all that goes along with that, um, you would become aware that, um, that, that this gentleman's experience would not have been a very positive one. Um, I could... I could translate that to now and say, uh, with the things this guy was wrestling with and what he carried, uh, that he was discriminated against and that his experience of church, um, the big church, the best church even, was a very negative one. And um, I would have to confess and say that uh, I have grown up around um, discrimination in the church, um, which would not be called discrimination. Uh, that might be called conscience, but um, really in terms of who people were and how people behaved and uh, uh, what they, the baggage they brought with them or their, or their sexual orientation or whatever, uh, has often created within the setup of the church something of a... Of a um, uh, a discrimination and uh, a rejection, a non-acceptance, okay, a non-acceptance. And uh, with this guy, it kind of works in the sense of you, you, you welcome, but you don't belong was kind of the implied thing, because if you were to experience uh, this in, in the temple in Jerusalem, the big temple area, um, they had a, a an outer court in the temple that was known as the Court of the Gentiles. It sounds very nice. Oh, we've made provision for you. Um, we've this, here's the Court of the Gentiles. Uh, well, that nice provision um, was really a huge statement of you might be here, but you're not one of us. Um, you know, you, you're welcome, but you're different. Um, we cannot allow you the privileges that we allow ourselves because of the discrepancy that you have in your colour, your race, your religion, your sexuality, um, your physical attributes. And so this this poor guy, I mean, just just think that experience must have been um, must have been really, really terrible. And uh, on top of that, you know, Gentile was a was a derogatory term. I'm not going to repeat terms that we would use for different, uh, uh, or have used, should I say, not that we would use, because I wouldn't use them, but terms that have been used for different um, uh, ethnic races and different groups of people. Um, uh, Gentile was like that. It it was, you know, you were being firmly told uh, you're different and you don't matter as much as we matter. Um, and then they had another term, which was dog. You know, um, if you were not of uh, Jewish descendancy, if you were not a pure Jew, then you were not only a Gentile, but you were a dog, uh, which is also uh, uh, not very nice, but was a very common terminology. So and, and in case we think some of these issues we're facing now are, are modern inventions of our... Uh, evolution to civilization, then you're absolutely and completely wrong. These issues of dogged humanity and society, dogged, uh, 
no pun intended. They've dogged humanity and society uh, since since the earliest records that we have uh, of humanity's existence. So it's called a Gentile, it's called a dog. It can only enter the court of the Gentile. Subtle way of saying you're not one of us, you're really not, not really welcome here, we'll accept you, but you're just not like us. Uh, so you cannot have the privileges that we have. Um, you know, the, the, there was another one as well, which often happens. We like to draw on our own favourite um, sacred prejudices wherever we sit in the equation as to, um, you know, uh, basically the, the way I would use it for that is God is on our side in what we feel. Uh, the truth is <coughs> you can pretty much justify most behaviours by picking one or two verses out of any sacred book or any, any including the Bible. And uh, the legalists had got there in the Bible um, and think how this would affect the guy. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. No eunuch is to enter the congregation of God. Uh, no man who has any defect may come near. No one who has damaged testicles. He must not come near to offer the food of his God. Because of his defect, he must not go near the curtain or approach the altar and so desecrate the sanctuary. So... Um, imagine this guy's got all kinds of things bombarding him about um, about why he is inadequate, uh, not enough, uh, too different to be included, and why then prejudice uh, against this guy was justified. Um, now, bearing in mind that the guy could not and didn't need to do anything to change his uh, any aspect of his. Uh, um, condition but as we pick up the story this is where I love where grace comes in because there's this guy Philip and um, Philip's already pushing the envelope because he is a Jew but he has gone beyond the um, boundaries of his own um, racial uh, tribal connections and uh, outside of that, he's, he's involving himself with the lives of others beyond that and um, uh, connecting with them over the love and acceptance that he had found in, uh, in, in, in the, the, the life of Jesus and the expression of Jesus and the work of Jesus and what, what he felt that Jesus represented uh, to humanity and that the life in Christ went beyond these uh, tribal boundaries and you know that love was the thing to bring us together above all else so he's loving these people and doing okay when he hears something in he hears something inside that says uh, you need to get yourself out into the desert uh, and so he listens to the voice I, I must admit I probably relate to Philip now more than more than any other um, illustration or, or person in the Bible, because this has happened to me throughout my life consistently, uh, where I have been instructed, led, heard, you should be here at this point in time. And uh, I've had experiences like Philip. So he goes out in the desert and lo and behold, uh, at the very exact time he arrives at a particular place in the desert, this Ethiopian eunuch... Uh, is going back to Ethiopia and uh, he's struggling and uh, he needs somebody but Grace sent somebody, Grace sent Philip and uh, this guy is in his chariot 
and uh, Philip comes and hops in the chariot with him and uh, um, uh, in the chariot the guy is trying to make sense of what just happened so so this is where I would kind of as a side issue relate to where we are he's trying to make sense of what just happened he, he, he's like he just you know why is this going on? How can this be going on? Um, and, um, you know, realizing unless unless something overrules the rules that have allowed this to happen, uh, then there is no hope. There needs to be a change. Um, so, so um, Philip jumps into the chariot with him and, you know, Philip asks, what, what is it you're reading? He said, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of this, my words. You know, remember, it was a conversation. Um, and he was reading from the, 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 um, the Old Testament Jewish book of, of the prophet Isaiah. And, um, and, and he says to Philip, look, this is what I'm reading. And so he, he quotes from Isaiah 53. And these are the words he said to Philip. Okay, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Um, the, the, the unit then asked Philip this question. Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else. I, I think this um, this man was kind of hoping that both were true, that this prophet was talking about himself because that would mean he could physically and personally relate, but also that he was talking about someone else, i.e. meaning, is this man talking about me? Does this man understand my plight? Because think about it, the eunuch, he felt that he had been led like a sheep to the slaughter. He was probably not a eunuch by choice. Uh, and as a lamb before his shield, as he silent, did not open his mouth. He had to submit to things in his life that that he did not want to submit to, but were imposed upon him. And um, uh, he talks about humiliation. In his humiliation, he's really saying, "I suffered humiliation and been deprived of justice." And and because he's a eunuch, obviously, who can speak of his descendants? You know, his life has been taken from the earth. The interesting thing about eunuchs is they were always put in charge of the treasury because they would never marry, they would never have a family, and they would never be accepted to to progress in society. So your money was safe, and they would put them in charge of the harem uh, if it was a male king. Why? Because the guy had no bits. The girls were safe with this guy. Those were the options of life, limited in your ascendancy recognized uh, yes but there were limitations that were there so so you can can you feel the heart of this guy trying to figure why why does 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 this prophet Isaiah understand my situation and and, and what can be said about it so it says in verse 35 of Acts chapter 8 that then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, you've got to take the words he began with that very passage. In other words, whatever Philip tried to bring to his understanding, it went beyond just what he was reading, but it was within the context of what he was reading. 
So Philip begins in what we understand to be Isaiah 53 that we've just quoted, but he's going to go beyond that. Um, So what Philip said to this man, whatever it was that Philip brought to this man, um, must have changed him. and, and, And it would appear that he began to see himself in the full light of the revelation of how God saw him. And he sees himself in and not out. And um, the love shown by Philip towards him and what he received within that created the scenario of healing and of strength. Uh, certainly made a difference to the life of um, of this eunuch. And I, I'm sure that the story went on beyond anything we can ever read. Uh, it affected him to the point that as they travelled along the road, he saw some water and, and, and said to Philip, look... Uh, there's water here. Why shouldn't I be baptized? In other words, he wanted some kind of uh, moment to cement the the time of this revelation about his acceptance, his value, his belonging, his purpose, his importance. Uh, the fact that he mattered because Philip went out of his way. God sent Philip out of his way. Because lives matter, his life mattered, this black man's life mattered enough <coughs> for someone to come and uh, seek to stand with him to bring healing and to bring freedom. Now, the naughtiness of the evangelical world added a verse in the translation that's nowhere in the original. You'll read in verse 37 of several Bible translations. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Whatever you think about the words used in there and their importance, they were nowhere in the original text. In other words, um, this, this request from the eunuch was not met with a series of conditions so that he could be accepted. He was accepted. There were no conditions required. And our acceptance of those who have been excluded, persecuted, discriminated against, should require uh, not, not, um, not one single uh, piece of, of, of uh, developed or created conditions that must be met in order for there to be acceptance and equality, it must not, it cannot be built on a foundation of conditions. It has to be built in a foundation of love, mutual acceptance, and uh, agreement for the inness, not not trying to look for what creates the outness. And uh, so Philip stuck, gives orders, stop the chariot. They go down, he baptizes him to make this moment secure. I pray that there will be baptism moments in, in all of us, in how our heart changes towards those that we have discriminated against in the past and that we, um, we bring them to their inness and oneness and belonging um, because we've often introduced conditions that weren't there. So... Uh, so I don't go on too long. Let me just um, express to you what the wisdom of this scripture and what happened with Philip. Remember, it says, and beginning at, beginning at that uh, scripture, he, he began to tell him the good news. So beginning there, he began to open it up. Now, now um, what's interesting is that um, 
If you continue on from that very passage of scripture, chapter 53, keep reading, then for those of you who can't figure this out, you go into what we know as chapter 54, and what we know as chapter 55, and what we know as chapter 56. When you hit 56, which Philip would have been reading to this guy, something fascinating happens. Remember, this guy is an outsider. He's called a Gentile. He's called a dog. He's discriminated against. Uh, He can't come into the place of acceptance he can only go in the outer court Uh, you know he's this black Ethiopian eunuch he got no bits he's excluded there's there's just problems on every side as far as conditions and legalities that have been invented would would say but listen to what happens when Philip hits chapter 56 this is what the Lord says maintain justice that's important and do what is right For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Remember Martin Luther King's words about justice rolling and righteousness pouring like a river. Uh, The problem is this verse here sounds like words of judgment if read through the wrong lens. This is what the Lord says, maintain justice, do what is right. My salvation is close at hand, my righteousness will soon be revealed. Um, But, but... It, it's it's actually a term of softness. You know, the, the eunuch saying, here's water, uh, you know, let's mark this moment, was was doing what is right. Um, and so this, this, if you read this on, you'll see there is a softness to this that is wonderful. So I've got to read these verses. I know, you know, it's, it's, it's biblically heavy, this little bit, but you'll see why it's important. Verse 2, blessed is the man who does this. Who does what? Who holds it fast. Who holds fast what? Who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing evil? Uh, Now, for those of you not raised how I was raised wouldn't understand, and many raised how I was raised would not have examined this enough in terms of history and culture and context and truth to know that what the Sabbath represents is not go to church on a Sunday, because if we're going to argue that's the first day of the week, not the seventh, and Sabbath means seven. But if you go right back to the beginning of the text of Scripture in the context of the Bible, you will see the narrative um, uses a model for creation um, that's nothing to do with uh, it being a, 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 a scientific or evolutionary document of this is how many exact days it took to make the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it, it goes deeper than that. What it, what it runs to, though, is that the Sabbath or the seventh day, it says, and on the seventh day, God rested from all his work that he had been doing. And what he saw was that it was all very good, but now it was finished. So what was being told to this man, if you will hold fast to the fact that everything needed for your acceptance, your worth, your value, for you mattering has already been completed, it's a finished work, it's the Sabbath, then if we can start from there, if we can all start from there, then we begin from a place not of perfection, because that creation story incidentally never talks about perfection, but we can begin from a place that the Genesis narrative says is very good, and it's, it's a great place to start from, the very good. Now, if it's very good, it's also wonderful because it means that this is going somewhere. It's up to us to take it beyond the very good, but most often we don't allow it to start in the very good. You're very good. You're a very good person. You have a very good heart. We have very good people throughout the world. It's very good that we have the nations. It's very good that we have 
people of different ethnicity and different culture. It's very good. It's for us to come together and move that forward. It's also very good that we recognise those who've got other issues, whether it's a sexual orientation or whatever it is. Um, you know, transgender, whatever. You say, but my background says X. Well, whatever your background says, the background of these people said X about the about the unit from Ethiopia. But when God starts to speak into the situation, he smashes that. And this is what blesses the eunuch. So you watch what happens here. Uh, so so we got to get rid of everything that contradicts celebrating what we call the finished work. That the, the condi conditions are not there. We are accepted. Now listen to this. You imagine the eunuch reading this. Let no foreigner, he's a foreigner, who has bound himself to the Lord, which he's just done because he's seen something true, say the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. I am not excluded on the grounds of some regulation or some, some rule uh, or some discriminative uh, process of qualification. Um, it says, listen to this. I mean, if you're the eunuch, just get this. He's been reading. Philip takes him further. And let not... Uh, any unit complain. <laughs> What's like what? So he is talking about me. Let him not complain and say I am only a dry tree. In other words, you need to get some value. What you are and who you are, you did not choose this. But it is. it does not mean that you are inferior or less or that your difference is an exclusionary thing. But what happens is you're not a dry tree. Don't say you're a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says in verse 4. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath. So to the people who feel discriminated against. Who are willing to accept that it's actually finished. And we're worth something. Uh, uh, and who choose what pleases me. Which is to hold fast to my covenant. Which is that we have been promised. That this is what God feels and thinks about us. That we're in and not out. Uh, he says, to them I will give within my temple and its walls, where you couldn't enter because humanity has created an outer court that says you can come here, but you can't come here. It says, I'll give them within my temple and within its walls a memorial and a name. You'll be recognized, you'll known better than sons and daughters. In other words, what you get in this will be better than those who thought they got it because they were born into it. Because you've come to it by a revelation of who you truly are, what God thinks about you, how we should react towards one another, and the removing of conditions that would cause the exclusion. Uh, and so he goes on to say, I will give them, that's the eunuchs who have no bits, an everlasting name uh, that will not be cut off. So they'd had something cut off. But he's saying that what comes out of this won't be cut off because it's something that you have not lost because of any state or situation or location of birth. You're not cut off. And so your name is going to be an everlasting name. In other words, you will be remembered. You're important. We will all be one in this. And it says, and foreigners, that's him who bind themselves to the Lord in this way to serve him. To love the name of the Lord where the grace has come from and to worship him. All who keep the Sabbath, all those, right? Whether you're an Ethiopian eunuch, whether you are a, a pure blood uh, son of David Jew, whether you are a, um, from mining stock in England, 
all those who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, all those who accept the finished work that we've been brought in and we've been made equal and conditions have been removed and we are loved and we are free to love and who hold fast to this covenant promise, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer and their offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, all of them. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So I've gone on for 39 minutes now. So let me just finish this here. Uh, Jesus requoted this verse when he cleared out the temple courts. And I think a similar thing was on his mind about the disrespect and disregard um, for the differences uh, and, and the exclusions that that created and then the uh, distortion of what it really means to be a God worshipper and a people lover. And, um, and uh, Jesus says, you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves. When my father's house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. Now, this is my final point to you. Um, I was taught in scripture, if you want to understand the context of something... And the meaning, you have to go back to when it's first mentioned. So what Jesus said was mentioned in this book of Isaiah that has just been quoted here that I believe Philip read to this eunuch. And uh, the statement was really this, that a house of prayer is not somewhere that God accepts, is not somewhere where we come together and speak words or hold hands in a circle. God forbid, God deliver us from the prayer circle uh, I'll say a little about that today, but <clears throat> I could give you strategies to avoid the prayer circle. Um, <clears throat> my father's house is a house of prayer for all nations. Did not mean it's where people of different languages can come together and say things to God. If you get its context, what makes a house of prayer a house of prayer is the level to which it embraces acceptance and belonging. The greatest act of worship and the greatest prayer that could go up into the heavens is measured by the degree to which we accept one another, love one another, support one another, make things matter without conditions so that our Sabbath worship is one that says it's finished, we are one and we are in. So I love you, I bless you. And I pray that today your heart will go out to all peoples and that as we remember the tragedy um, today, specifically and particularly of George Floyd, uh, may our hearts reach out beyond all those that I would call sacred prejudices, that we all have somebody who we subconsciously or consciously presume as out. It might be political, might be personal, it could be racial. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Let where we are today, in whatever our home we are in, doing whatever we're doing, let that be the true house of prayer for all nations. Let that be the house of acceptance and belonging without conditions, so that we're in. So I'd say today, here is water. What hinders you from being baptized? Let's do it. Let's duck ourselves in this and come up a little cleaner and a little more pure and let justice roll like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Love you and bless you. 
Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash QChurchYork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.